Back in 1865, the famous preacher Phillips Brooks made a, an unforgettable trip to the Holy Land over Christmas. And one of the best parts about that trip was that he rode horseback on Christmas Eve from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And, and so later he wrote about this and he said, before dark we rode out of town to the field where they say the shepherds saw the star. It's a fenced in piece of ground with a cave in it, in which strangely enough, the shepherds once tended the sheep. On that same night, Brooks attended the traditional services in the ancient Basilica of Bethlehem called the Church of the Nativity, which is said to have been built in the 14th century on the exact site where Jesus was born. They had a five-hour worship service, 10 o'clock from Christmas Eve at 10 o'clock all the way until three o'clock in the morning, Christmas morning. And it made for an unforgettable impression on the young minister, one that he would never forget. Well, three years later, he was preparing his Christmas sermons and, and, and he was thinking back to that experience and the impact it had on him. And so he decided to write a poem especially for the young children of his church. And the poem would later become the words to one of our favorite hymns. It began, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. And then remembering again his personal experience of walking out into the quiet streets of Bethlehem early in the morning uh, that Christmas, he continued, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You see, Phillips Brooks put into beautiful words an unforgettable experience that changed his life. And the carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, has become a very important part of our Christmas celebration every year as we observe the real meaning of Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of light into the darkness of the world. So you could say that, that on that trip, Brooks was transformed. He was changed, he was awed, inspired. After he went to Bethlehem in 1865, his life, his ministry, the way he viewed Christmas would never be the same again. He had been to the exact place where Jesus was born. So far this Advent season, we have looked at the words of the prophets who foretold the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ. We've looked at Matthew's account. That includes the wise men from the east following the star. We talked about Herod. Last Sunday, we looked at Luke's account where he talks about the angel appearing to the shepherds. And today we're in John's gospel, the first chapter. John's gospel is unique and different. It was written at the end of the first century by St. John the Apostle. Certain things had emerged in the Christian faith by this point. First of all, Christianity had gone out into the Gentile world largely due to the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. And secondly, because of that, Christianity had to be restated and re-explained because of the growing number of followers who basically were not familiar with the Jewish context and worldview. The, the fourth gospel 
doesn't actually mention John by name, but we learn about him from the other gospels. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the one sitting next to Jesus at the Last Supper. He, he was the one, remember when Jesus said, uh, take care of your mother. That's who Jesus was talking to about Mary on the cross. John is the gospel of the contemplative. It's the most spiritual of the gospels. It has incredible imagery. Many people say it's their favorite gospel. Clement of Alexandria once claimed that John was not just interested in the mere facts of Jesus' life, but also in the spiritual meaning of those facts. John was after the truth. John didn't see the events of Jesus' life and ministry and healings just as events in time, but as windows looking into eternity. And so the language of this gospel is beautiful and it's poetic. It begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, he was in the beginning with God. You see, John is alluding to the mystery of the Trinity, saying that Jesus was always there with God. It's really hard for us to imagine in the picture. For, for many decades, John the Apostle had reflected on the life, the teachings, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. The Spirit had worked on him and it opened him to the meaning of all that Jesus said and did. And so in the later years of his life, John decided, you know, I need to put this down. I need to record this, which also included some of his theological interpretation of the events. And that's what we find in the fourth gospel. It's a beautiful combination of Jesus' life, his teachings, his miracles, and what John thought they, they meant and symbolized. This is how John describes the birth of Christ. He says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light that enlightens every person was coming into the world. Remember Isaiah's words, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. John tells the story of Jesus' birth in this gospel by saying, the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. You know, for weeks now, many of us have been driving around in our cars, listening to Christmas music on the radio, or maybe sitting at our houses around the tree, listening to Christmas music. It's soothing. Hopefully it gets us into the spirit. But, but there's a song that you've probably heard over and over again, at least on the radio. And it was a song written by David Foster, but really made popular by Amy Grant. And the song is called My Grown-Up Christmas List. You know the words of this song? Do you remember me? I sat upon your knee. I wrote to you with childhood fantasies. Well, I'm all grown up now and still need help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart still can dream. So here's my lifelong wish, my grown-up Christmas list. Not for myself, but for a world in need. No more lives torn apart, that wars would never start, and time would heal all hearts, 
and everyone would have a friend, and right would always win, and love would never end. No, this is my grown-up Christmas list. What I want to ask you this Christmas Eve is a simple question. I want to ask you, what do you really want for Christmas? I'm serious. What do you really want for Christmas? I don't mean what presents do you want. I hope you get the presents that you want. Uh, But remember, Christmas is not about the presents. We all do that and it's fun. And sometimes we get carried away with it. And sometimes we miss and sometimes we get nail it. But Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Coming into the world to change us to teach us to love each other better, to bring hope and peace, light in the darkness. So what do you really want for Christmas this year? Maybe you need more patience in dealing with difficult people and difficult situations. Maybe you need to be reminded to spend more time with your, your spouse or your children and you need to be fully present. Maybe you need to forgive somebody who is hurt you and you just need to let it go. Maybe you need to reach out to somebody who's lost or grieving or drinking too much to hide their pain. Maybe you need a a reboot of your faith. You've drifted from church and, and you're not feeding your soul. You're not taking your spiritual life seriously. Maybe you just need to slow down this month because it's been crazy busy and you've been racing from one thing to the next. Maybe you just need some rest because you're weary and tired, running low on energy. You need to experience a thrill of hope. Maybe you need to reconnect with a friend that you've lost touch with and it's somebody that you really miss and really somebody you care about, but you haven't talked to them in a while. Maybe you need to reestablish a devotional life in the morning so you can center yourself to begin the day. Maybe you need to start praying again so God can help, help you shoulder your burdens. Or, or maybe you just need to ask for help because you're tired of doing everything on your own. Maybe you just need some inner peace this Christmas because you haven't had it in a while. I don't know what you really want or need this Christmas. But chances are, it's something that can't be wrapped up and it can't be put under the tree. You know, the author Frederick Buechner, a great author, begins one of his sermons in the following way. He said, if God really exists, then why in heaven's name does God not prove that he exists Instead of leaving us here in our terrible uncertainty, why does he not show his face so that at last a despairing world can have hope? William Barclay answers his question with these words. He says, here is the amazingly new concept that God could and would become a human being that God could enter into the life that we live, that eternity could appear in time, that somehow the creator could appear in creation in such a way that human eyes could actually see him. Ralph Sogman said, you know, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable and God came through that door at Christmas. Through Jesus, the divine became human. The eternal appeared in time. The creator became a part of creation. Or as John 
So beautifully writes in the fourth gospel, the word became flesh and lived among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. How's your faith? Is it all grace? Is it all truth? Or is it both? Full of grace, full of truth. It's still not too late to experience the miracle of Christmas. It's not too late to have an encounter with Christ that can change your life. It's still not too late to lay down your burdens, your headaches, your pain. Life's not easy, it's hard. We struggle, we get mad, we get stressed out, we get angry, we get resentful. And so at Christmas, most of us need and want a new beginning. Children grow up fast, they go off to college, parents age and pass away, friends come and go. We we say things we don't mean and then we can't take them back. We say goodbye to people that we love and it hurts. So we need to be reminded of the things that really matter. Faith in God, time with family, friendships and love. No matter what darkness we're facing this year, no matter what hurt, what pain, what loss, God can heal it at Christmas. I believe that. And we have to believe that. I told you the first Sunday of Advent that we all needed Christmas this year because it's been a hard year in a lot of ways. Christmas is here. Christ is being born. The light still shines in the darkness. The darkness still does not overcome it. We don't have to stay the same. So fill up your heart today and give thanks and make a decision that you're gonna love more that you're gonna love better. The Christmas miracle is not just that God came to earth in a manger, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but that our hearts can actually change and we can start all over again. And so if that's what you're looking for this Christmas, then guess what? You've got it. You've got it. So seize it. Amen. Montgomery's going to sing for you.
Christmas.